You're listening to the Fresh Takes on Tech podcast, a show from the International Fresh Produce Association. This is a show for people interested in the intersection between technology and the produce and floral industries. Every week, we explore the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the industry. If you are interested in the innovations that create change, this is the place for you. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to Fresh Takes on Tech. Today, we're talking to a very exciting company, Verdant Robotics. Verdant has a platform that combines data analytics and crop applications like spraying and weeding into a single farming implement for specialty crop farmers. We're going to hear from all three co-founders, Gabe Sibley, who's the CEO, Lawrence Iberia, who's the CTO, and Curtis Gardner, who's the COO. So happy to have all you guys together on this. So you each have unique backgrounds in robotics. Please tell us about yourself and how Verdant Robotics was formed. And Gabe, why don't we start with you? Yeah, hey, thanks, Vani, so much for having us. We're really excited to be on. So Verdant Robotics got started really when Curtis and I were introduced to each other by some old colleagues of mine that had also been working with Curtis. And they recognized, uh, I guess, like souls, and they put us together literally in a bar. And uh, <laughs> we sat there across the table, and after we realized sort of the, the combination of technology and agriculture that we should probably get together and they should probably foot the bill. And, and they did, you know, to their credit. So uh, they helped us get started. And Curtis did a really good job helping me understand the, the needs in agriculture and the challenges that we face. And I found it utterly compelling, uh, you know, and, and from that, the rest was history. At the same time, I was working with Lawrence and uh, Lawrence got wind of it and He's like, hey, I think I want to come along too. At that point, I was just absolutely excited because I knew we had a real trifecta. Great. Lawrence, how about you? A little bit about yourself. Yeah, a bit about myself. I have been working for 10 years in the Silicon Valley on NVIDIA and Cruise, working on GPUs, graphics, artificial intelligence, autonomous driving. It's, it's an exciting place to be, but I, I always wanted to do something more. I wanted to build a product that will solve a meaningful problem. I wanted to build a product that I would be proud of, that will we go there, will help people. I was working with Gabe, and then there was this opportunity. We can go over to Agtech, to agriculture. At that time, point in time, all the technology that had been brewing up in robotics, it was perfect to go into problem agriculture is a lot simpler than self-driving, at least the driving part. We can do meaningful changes, and it coincided with a coming crisis of labor. Less and less people want to do this job, it becomes harder, and we need to produce more and more food. So there was no reason why not to jump in, and it's been real fun. Great, thanks. And Curtis? Yeah, thank you, buddy. Uh, for me, uh, it's been kind of a long road. I've I've always loved computers and technology, and and through my career, I kind of ended up in ag and started on a packaging uh, tomato packaging facility, running the ag operations over there, and had a lot of fun. Did a lot of automation projects, but then went to Bulls Farming, which was a twelve thousand acre diversified row crop farm, and a couple law changes were starting to happen, which was 
SB3 and AB1066, so minimum wage going to $15 an hour, ag exemptions of overtime going away, was going to roughly double the cost of labor on the farm. And as uh, your listenership probably knows better than, than most, farmers are price takers, not price makers. And so I was kind of looking at some of the labor costs on the farm and wondering how are we going to make up this difference? And it was through uh, my passion for computers and starting to speak at these ag tech events and putting one foot in front of the other and had this chance meeting with uh, the company that Gabe's talking about and getting into a room and really uh, saw an opportunity to, to marry my passion for computers with the, the newfound love for, for ag and all of ag's challenges, which led us to this opportunity today. Great. Thanks. So I was just thinking about Curtis, like when we first met and uh, do you remember, do you remember who introduced us? I don't remember who introduced us, but I believe I remember our first conversation. Yeah. So it was Tim Nuss of Modern Acre. I, I had to look it up because I'd forgotten, but I was asked to do a talk at CES on 5G and I didn't know anything about 5G. So I got in touch with Tim and I said, who do you know that can help me? And he gave me your name. And that was like, it was in 2019, pre-COVID obviously. And, and Curtis was so amazingly generous with his time and kind of explaining what 5G was and what it could do and how I should talk about it at CES. And that's how I got to know Verdant Robotics. And then I was so excited about the company and I kept wanting to talk about it. You know, every place I went when people were saying, what's new technology? And, and so I kept saying to Curtis, you know, can I talk about it? Can I talk about it? And they kept saying, no, 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 we're stealth. And, you know, I was just calling like every six months. Okay, I want to talk about this. So, so finally, I was really happy when you guys came out of stealth and I could start talking about the great stuff that you were doing. So that, that was just, I was reflecting on that. And it's, it's been a fun road watching you guys grow. One of the things that I'm working on right now that I want to talk to you about is I'm doing this accelerator where we're trying to bring new technology into the produce industry. And so this technology, a lot of it is, you know, not mature technology, but developed technology in different kinds of industries and in different parts of the world. And so I'm, I'm putting an accelerator together where we're going to have 10 to 12 companies that will go through a program and really learn about the produce industry and what the opportunities are. And so the applications are due April 4th. So depending on when you're listening to this, you know, may have already passed, but we'll do it every year. Anyway, I wanted to hear from Lawrence and Gabe and just your thoughts on bringing new technology since you come from outside the industry and, and just how you thought about jumping into ag and what we might do to bring more technology to agriculture. Yeah, I, I guess one way to talk about why we've been able to attract such talent at Verdant and, and why it personally it's compelling for me, it's a holistic endeavor, right? A lot of the folks that work here are outdoors men and women. You've got hunters and fishermen and rock climbers and bikers and skiers and surfers. So people that genuinely love the outdoors. But a lot of the folks are used to working in a basement where the only light comes from the glow of a screen. And so there's these deeply cerebral, you know, intellectual folks that have this whole other aspect of their being that has been separate from their professional lives. And at Verdant, we get to do a bit of both. You know, we get to work outdoors, we get to work with our hands, but we also do something that's intellectually really challenging. And at the same time, you know, when you're using 95% less chemicals and helping farmers farm way more profitably, you know, you're helping people, but you're also really helping the environment. 
uh, growing healthier food. And so for folks that appreciate the outdoors and that hands-on, you know, way of being, that, that can marry that with their intellectual passion as well, it becomes this much bigger, more holistic endeavor. And that has attracted absolute top talent. And that's, you know, it's how we get guys that, you know, wrote the code for the Mars rovers and the self-driving cars and designed all the lasers and the computer vision systems for Boston Dynamics, like really talented people, because it's a, it's a much more motivating, holistic endeavor. So do you think, you know, as we're thinking about bringing in new technology, part of that is then finding this really great talent and attracting them and then they bring the technology with them. Is that, it uh, sounds like that's a way you think it's a good thing, way to bring technology in. The way that I think about it is it's a, an awareness problem on the side of the technologist. Uh, they don't know the needs that the produce industry has, that, that farming has. And so it's making them aware of it. Everybody that we've hired and a lot of the folks that I've talked to and, and we've interviewed, they don't want to make the next Facebook. They don't want to make the next Instagram app or, or Tinder app. Those aren't intellectually stimulating to them. Those aren't uh, endeavors that are going to progress humanity. And it's really something meaningful um, in the work in helping humanity to move forward as a species. I have a curious story. When we started Verdant, Curtis took us on a tour, on a tour of several months to see many different crops. How were they growing and what the challenges they had? Before then, I didn't know what problems were there. When I see those problems as an engineer, I want to go and build a solution immediately. Sometimes what we need is more awareness of what are we doing today? And people will just jump into fixing them. I think that's a really good point. It's the, the urgency and the need and the fact that there's a real challenge and, and then gluing that together with how important it is. And also, quite frankly, the technology is ready. Right? Mm -hmm. There's the capability now that we should deploy. I mean, I've been doing this for decades and forever it was like space and military, right? And, you know, about 10 years ago, the self-driving car world started to heat up and we're still waiting for that. So trying to find really valuable applications for this technology has not been obvious or easy. And everybody kind of imagines that we're going to have robots that do stuff for us. And someday that will be true, but it's not a super obvious straight path. But in ag, it's like, we can do this. We can bring value and we can do it now. And so it's super exciting time. Yeah, and there's such an obvious need, and you know, but we're demanding more of robots to work in you know uneven ground and mud and rain and heat and cold, and so it's it's a challenging for people like you. One more question on this, and then I'll get off it. But obviously, you're entrepreneurs, but I, I look at you know, is it is the bet is is there a path for entrepreneurs to bring and develop technology like like you all have done, which is very successful and we need that? Is there also a path for some of the companies that own this more mature technology? Would they be interested in, in getting an ag and some of these companies that just are deploying these technologies in, in space and some other things? And, and is, that, is that a place we should look for technology or is that just too complicated? I think the answer is complicated. Uh, you know, why is it that successful large incumbents have difficulty innovating into new spaces. It, you know, not to pick on Google, but you know, they, they have some of the smartest people in the world and some of the most advanced technology in the world, but they're not viewed as a, you know, a fountain of novel, successful companies. A lot of brilliant companies seem to languish 
uh, and really people save the language. That's actually one of the reasons why we're able to hire because hmm. people want to ship something and they don't want it to just sit there in the lab forever and then get canned eventually. They want their lives to be dedicated to something meaningful. And there's something about the sort of raw existential nature of a startup where, you know, all of the marbles are being played for. And I think it brings out the best in people. And that's kind of why startups can disrupt bigger companies. So I think we can view those bigger companies as training grounds for the people we're going to hire. Yeah, great answer. Thanks. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Verdant. Uh, you recently announced your robot as a service model. How is this unique and how is this going to specifically benefit growers? Yeah, the robot as a service model does a couple of things. You know, first, it allows us to give farmers ROI from day one. You know, we don't have to talk about in years to pay back. It happens immediately. And the technology itself unlocks so much additional value that, you know, some of the farmers we're working with are seeing like 50% reduction in costs. And we still have healthy margins because fundamentally the technology is unlocking a lot of value. There's also the fact that the technology is changing very rapidly. And if you adopt a model of like, you know, here's the keys and you walk away and drop off some hardware, hardware is going to be obsolete in a year. And, you know, that's a real burden for the owner that's trying to operate that hardware. The value for what we're doing, we're at the stage where it's tip of the iceberg discovery of the value. And we have found that it's in conversations with growers and agronomists that we really find the transformative new value that simply didn't exist before and that you won't get to those conversations if you don't have boots on the ground if you're not deeply engaged with skin in the game partnering with with growers and so we don't believe that the just drop out the keys and walk away model is going to uncover the real value especially as the technology is changing so quickly and so that led us to this uh, ross model where we we partner with people we're trying to figure out really how we could be helpful. You know, Curse took us on this six-month listening tour, so we made sure that we're not, you know, a solution in search of a problem, but we're really understanding the problems to get started. Because in the beginning, you know, honestly, the technologists don't. At the same time, we want to pique the imagination of growers and agronomists so they can imagine what the technology could do. And so we're walking the farm out there in Lodi, and I, I was trying to figure this out. I said, hey, Jeff, imagine if you had your best agronomist standing here watching this apple cluster 24 hours a day throughout the whole season. And if anything happened you didn't like, you could reach out and adjust it. You know, if a fly lands on the wrong side of a leaf, you could reach out and brush it away. You could deliver exactly the right input at exactly the right time. What could you do? And, and Jeff was like, wow, if I could do that, I could grow 88s every time. I didn't know what 88s were. You know, 80 <laughs> apples per bin is better than 100 apples per bin. So it's a bigger apple. And so I said, well, you know, what's that worth? And it turns out it's worth a, a lot. And you just can't do that when you're broadcast spraying to do crop load management. You, you can't control outcomes when you only do actions, you know, at one time per season or a small number of times. But with computers and with robots, we can do it specifically per apple. You know, we can trap a, track an apple from bud all the way through to harvest and give you a time-lapse video of any apple in the orchard you choose and so, you know, computers have that capability. Uh, people can't do that. And that then unlocks new value. Driscoll's is the global market leader of fresh strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries. 
With more than 100 years of farming heritage, Driscoll's is a pioneer of berry flavor innovation and the trusted consumer brand of only the finest berries. So I've seen great videos of, of this working in the field and the information that it that it gives. What value does that give? Being able to track an apple blossom all the way through, how does that give value to apple production? Well, so specifically for crop load management, you want to remove you know, sort of four-fifths of the apples on the tree. If you don't do that, you know, you end up with golf ball-sized apples that aren't worth anything. And you want to remove them early so that the carbohydrate energy in the tree is you know, guided into growing fewer but much larger or profitable apples. That's why you do crop load management. By doing it when each blossom is ideally situated to be thinned, instead of doing it at only a few set times, you're optimizing the outcome. So that allows us to shift the pack out and grow bigger apples. Um, so the system is detecting and tracking and recognizing in real time, like, oh, I need to deliver pollen to that blossom now. Uh, oh, I need to shoot fertilizer on that other blossom now to you know, stop it from becoming an apple, thereby be, you know, achieving crop load management. So that, that type of value for a farmer is it's like two to three X increase in net profit, depending on the variety that you're talking about in apples. Hey, Bonnie, I'm so excited about the, the program that you're going to put together because part of our challenge at Verdant is we have great relationships kind of on one side of the supply chain, and that's to the grower. Um, but you represent, your listenership represent a whole other side of, of the supply chain. And one of the ideas for the future that we have, which uh, already exists out there in some other companies, but, you know, providence tracking and knowing exactly where each apple or each head of lettuce uh, comes from. You can imagine our system could spray some RNA-based DNA tracking technology on individual apples or on individual lettuce heads and we could system systematize that and actually do that at random and have a unique barcode for for every single uh, piece of produce and it just things like that are now possible with the technology that we have but it's going to take engagement with the community to figure out what's the real value what are the applications that we should actually develop the technology to yeah, that, that is incredible because everybody's looking at that whole traceability for all sorts of reasons right now and uh, trying to figure out how do you, how do you pull that through you know, all the way to consumers knowing and retailers knowing and, and that can have such value in, in decreasing food waste throughout the chain and, and just more information. So yeah, that's really fabulous. So this, the, the podcast series that this podcast is in right now is about sustainability. I've talked to a number of people about sustainability and some of the issues, and we're seeing organizations adopt very different sustainability practices in their organizations. Your robots are collecting data along with doing spraying and weeding. And how are your customers using the data now that you collect to enable greater levels of environmental stewardship and sustainability on the farm? Yeah, so we've got great partners like the folks we work with over at Bolt House that are incredibly progressive. So they're really looking to, you know, they are forward leaning when it comes to looking for making ESG real. How is it that they can get the metrics and track all the way through the system so that those decisions are actually driven by real data on the ground? The problem with ESG forever has been that how do you actually know the metrics are real? How do you, how do you know the data represents what's actually happening? 
Because we can give them those metrics, we can arm them with the data of here's what took place where, here is actually an example of using 95% less chemical inputs, they then can glue that through and have really data-driven discussions around how it is more sustainable, how it is actually hitting those ESG metrics, and make it a a data-driven quantitative discussion instead of a, a more of a soft discussion. Yeah, and I think collaborations like that, like your one with Bolthouse, and they're really taking the lead around regenerative and some of these sustainability conversations. And and it's so valuable to have you working, you know, with the technology that you have and enabling all of those dis- decisions and discussions. And Bolthouse working all the way down, you know, to retail with some of their products. And so those, as as Curtis was just talking about, when we really start looking at how do we get better and better information going through the chain. That's that's a great example of having these collaborations because you have to you have to know what they want and what they can use and they have to know what you can do. And so, you know, that that has to work that way. Yeah. One of the unique values that Vernon can bring to the table and, and Lars can speak to it a little bit better than I can because he's actually developing it in real time is we uh, do three things. So we index, act, and then the discover part. And so this discover part with ESG um, has to do with A-B testing and the ability to try different chemicals at different rates at different times across uh, time zones and continents um, because we could replicate it because it's machine to machine and give it a carrot field or an apple orchard. We can randomize the trial, not just within a block, not just in a, a row of trees or a row of carrots, but inside a tree individually and systematically track that through the computer. And so maybe Lawrence can speak to it a little bit better. The data we collect is actually a very comprehensive digitization of the farm. We know how the farm has been growing. We know the weather patterns. We know the speed at which the plants grow. We know also what kind of chemicals have we delivered. And then, as Curtis was saying, we can be trying what would work best on this situation. And try is a way to have a systematic approach to how can we grow bigger and better crops. We're trying to apply these on on apples, on carrots, and in other crops that we go. It's a long, long period of time. All of this wasn't possible before because you could do a test in very few fields with very few chemicals, but you will not be able to really control your variables. To really understand how things reply, you either need to have a very tight control, which means that your results don't apply to many places, or you are constantly testing everything everywhere. You can infer from there. And one of the the ideas that came to me by two different companies and two different commodities, and, and I wish that I could say their names, but I don't have permission, but they uh, gave us the idea of actually applying organic methods on their conventional acres just because the customers like Save Marts and Nestle's and McCormick's of the world are driving that uh, through to them. And so they would absolutely love to to use organic methods uh, in their conventional acres, which to me was just kind of a mind-blowing idea that that I didn't even think about, that I didn't even relate. But it's being driven uh, by the consumer uh, through the value chain. And now we have a tool that can do that do that, and track that uh, over time, which is quite amazing. Yeah, I was actually on an organics panel yesterday. And, and one of the questions that uh, I was with two other people who are very deep in the organics industry. And, but one of the questions that I was asked was, 
about new technology use in organics. And so many of the technologies don't fit into the standards, the organic standards governed by USDA. And But I think what some of the stuff that you're doing does fit, and I actually used you as an example, of technology that, that they can use. So talk a little bit about the weed killing capacity and just some of the things that you can do that would fit into an organic operation. Yeah, that's exactly where the conversation came from. So it was a very large uh, garlic company uh, would like to not use glyphosate uh, within their conventional acres. And the same went for a very large uh, wine grape um, producer. And so they, they both had the same idea. It's both driven by, by their customers, but it was, it was around the glyphosate issue uh, from the consumers and then being able to apply organic uh, herbicides, which are contact materials that don't have herbicide carryover or any residue issues. Uh, there's no uh, real risk to human health with the materials that, that we use. So it's, it's much better for the environment. It's much better for uh, humans. And so they really wanted to, to do that, which was just kind of a very exciting conversation for me to have because I didn't think of it myself. It came from the customers. And also you can use so much, um, you can catch it earlier, right? Because you can actually get the weeds before the eye can see it because the computer can see it and you have to use so much smaller amount of whatever material you are using. So it is, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our uh, technique is to go early and go often. We can use less efficacious materials and uh, go more often. Um, At some point in time, uh, we'll turn on the autonomy. Um, There's a lot of folks here that have done self-driving cars and uh, self-driving vehicles on other planetary bodies. And so it's a technology that we have in our back pocket. And once that technology is unleashed, labor is almost free. You can start to think of it. And that's how we've really been able to peak the imagination of the customer. It's like, if you imagine labor's free, what would you do? If you could pay for an agronomist to sit there and babysit every apple, every carrot, what would you do? And it's through those conversations and piquing their interest that we come up with these transformative aspects. Yeah, I bet. Because that's like, no one, no one would even think about that because like, how would you even start thinking about that? Because it's not possible. But I imagine you start having these conversations of, you know, if this were possible, how would you farm? And that really changes how people look at things. And it's a real conversation. It, it takes time. It took us uh, several meetings with, with Jeff to, for him to understand exactly what we were trying to say and the message we were trying to convey. So it takes a minute uh, to land. And then it took us a minute to really understand what he was trying to say to us and what the real true a value um, that he saw that we could bring to the table. So it's a conversation that evolves over time. And the only way it happens is if we get our boots dirty and we rub shoulders together often. Yeah. So switching gears a bit, we're all worried about the geopolitical, humanitarian and economic crisis caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which can quickly turn into a global food security crisis. So how do startups like Verdant play a role today or perhaps in the future in these types of issues? Vani, you're, you're absolutely nailing it. It's a really hot button issue for us. Uh, so Russia and China are the world's manufacturers of fertilizer. Uh, our customers have seen a 300% increase in their price of fertilizers. You know, 25% of the wheat for Africa comes out of the Ukraine. So we just see this energy crisis, a humanitarian crisis, and this food security that's a national security issue for, for all nations. And we're so happy to be in a place to deliver the technology that is a solution uh, to that need, to that problem. 
Now, we can grow the same amount of food, if not more, with 60 to 90%, uh, 95% less inputs. And so we could take the amount of fertilizers that we have and we could stretch it uh, much farther and we could still uh, still grow the food's calorie, the world's calories. So final question to each of you, what makes you most excited about the work you are doing at Verdant now? Lawrence, why don't we start with you? For me, excited is this product we're building. It starts by helping farmers and growers solve the problems that we have today, a real issue. But as I look forward, Verdant's mission is robotics at large. We are looking, we, on our ideal world, we would have many other companies join. We have an initiative to let other people collaborate with what we have and overall make the industry better. That's actually what really moves me. Yeah, for me, Vlani, uh, it took me 30 some odd years to, to kind of dig in internally and figure out what my, my values and my system was. But I really learned that I drive a lot of value in life from uh, significance and impact. And I'm just so grateful to be here with these three gentlemen in opening Pandora's box to, of technology to the agriculture. The Pandora's box, probably a bad analogy, uh, <laughs> but uh, computer vision is gonna fundamentally transform agriculture. And we're just at the beginning of that. And for us to be at the forefront in delivering this technology, I'm so excited, so thankful to, to be here. Um, we've changed the world. Nobody knows about it. Thanks to you, more people will know uh, when this podcast comes out. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm just really excited. It's really the tip of the iceberg, as Gabe said earlier. For, for me, working with farmers has been eye-opening. Uh, growing food that's healthy and good for people is just a fundamentally good thing to do. So it's fantastic to be involved in an industry that's in my experience so far, just chock full of good people doing hard work that's really meaningful. The fact that that's married with the bigger robotics technology mission, you know, what does it mean to automate work in a, in a successful way? You know, the day that humanity works, wakes up and our chores are done, that's a success for humanity. And we're at the very beginning of that sort of automation transformation and I think some of the most meaningful work that's going to happen in that uh, is really in ag. So it's a, it's a great combination. The fact that it is sort of this holistic endeavor is really, really fantastic. It's totally motivating. It's, um, it's good work to do. It's fun work to do. It's challenging. Uh, so it's totally engrossing. Yeah, I think Verdant is such a great example of bringing really smart people, smart minds with new technologies into the industry and starting to transform the industry. And so I really hope that other people hear this podcast and are inspired by what you all do and, and think about what big problems that they could solve. And, and nothing's more important than food. You know, we all we all need it every day. And so I'm so excited that you guys are finally out of stealth mode and really making an impact. So before we wrap up, um, where can people get in touch with you and le learn more about Verdant? I think the easiest thing if you want to learn more about Verdant Robotics is just to head over to Verdant Robotics com. There you can find information about how to get in touch with us. You know, if you're a farmer, if you're a grower, please reach out. We're busy scaling onto new farms every day and uh, it's a great time to get in touch. Great. And I'd say if you're a retailer, distributor, or on the other side of that supply chain, we would love to talk to you as well. We'd love to learn more about the industry as a whole. Just to follow up on that, if you are on that side, if you're looking to 
make ESG real and you want metrics and measures, we're the folks that can help you glue those things together. So we would love to talk to people that are trying to make those discussions quantitative. Fabulous. All right. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you. Thanks so much, Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie. Driscoll's is the global market leader of fresh strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries. With more than 100 years of farming heritage, Driscoll's is a pioneer of berry flavor innovation and the trusted consumer brand of only the finest berries. The International Fresh Produce Association is bringing new technology to solve industry's big challenges through the new Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator. The six-month immersive program works with technology companies outside of produce and floral to experience the challenges in our industry and develop innovative solutions for a healthier world. Applications are due April 4th. Find out more at freshproduce.com. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.